Hello and welcome to the We Are Geeks, a Nightmare on Elm Street podcast from wearetessellate.com, where every Friday we will be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. The We Are Geeks podcast series is published by We Are Tessellate, and it is a completely independent podcast series. We Are Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Come to Freddy. Welcome to the final episode in our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective franchise podcast series. I've yet to come up with a nice snappy <laughs> way of doing that. Um, yeah, every week when we've been checking out a new Nightmare on Elm Street film in chronological order, starting with the 1984 original all the way through to the 2010 re- Michael Bay remake. Joining me, well, I'm your host, Al White. Joining me on this journey, Alexander Chard. Hello. Uh, <laughs> you can, as always, watch our podcast on YouTube. Uh, head over there, type in Geeks and Tessellate, which is the name of our company. We are Tessellate, two S's, two L's, or just Geeks and Nightmare on Elm Street. We'll probably turn up. You can subscribe to our channel. Appreciate it. It's been a long journey. We're here right at the end. We, it's the last, uh, last episode. We did the remake. Um, and I like on these retrospectives to come back at the, at the end of everything and to kind of look back look back at the whole series the whole franchise and talk a little bit about our feelings yeah about, about how the whole franchise works how it works as a whole how it works as an evolution how it works as part of you know horror franchises in general where it fits into stuff a little bit but then to pick through you know pick our favorite film pick our least favorite film if we can rank them all in order um pick a favorite final girl and a favorite kill i think is appropriate for these um these are the same rules we did for friday the 13th and after this podcast, we're going to do another fun series, but I'll tell you about that at the end of this podcast. Ooh. Um, so, Alex, drinking your water there for a second? So yes, Al. Um, how are you, how you feeling, man? How are you feeling? You got to the end. You did it. Did it. Got to the end. And I will say that by the end, it was a, <laughs> it was a long slog. There was nine films. Not the longest, uh, but pretty long for a franchise yeah. so far. Um, and surely more coming. We'll have to return to this franchise when a Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, reboot comes out at some point. If that happens, yeah. I mean, It'll yeah, happen. it was It'll it happen. was a it was a slow crawl to the end. I think. Um, although, to be fair, the last three you had you had three. Okay, just to ret- just for people who can't remember because they've listened to the other podcasts, we do, we do a recommend or non recommend on the end of each movie. What did I recommend? Which is a general thing. You recommended... Well, we both recommended part one. Definitely. We both recommended uh, part... Did we rec- both recommend part three? I think we did. Yeah, I think we did just. Yep. Uh, we both recommended part seven. We both recommended... Which is West Graham's New Nightmare. Uh, we both recommended Freddy versus Jason. That was a ride. And with the remake, I think it was a struggle. I know you didn't recommend, I think. Um, and I think I was struggling with it because I went back no, and I forth did. a lot. Did you? I did recommend it on the basis that... It was something like, forgive me for not remembering very well, but it was something like on the basis that there was enough in there that was done right and pushing the franchise in the right direction that okay. I hoped that in itself would inspire kind of and encourage people to want to, to do it, of, to re-reboot. Well, not necessarily re-reboot, <laughs> but to kind of keep pushing okay. 
in the right direction. Okay. For all the good bits that are in it. Although at the same time, I wasn't. I was sure definitely more positive film. than you were, but albeit yeah. frustrated with the lack of soul. Yeah. Um, and the, the one that we disagreed on, or didn't disagree on, but we, uh, I didn't give it a recommend because I said there's no way we can give this film two recommends, <laughs> and you went yeah. first. Was part six? Yeah, Freddy, part Freddy six. Dead, the final nightmare, which is the crazy cartoony one. Um, so I think we'll get into how we feel about the whole franchise at the end. Let's get into particulars to begin with, shall we? Just some Let's of the fun things. Looking back on it, you know, something mm-hmm. like. Let's talk about kills for a second. So horror franchise debatably is really its success hinges on its kills you know yeah particularly with something like this where freddy is the lead character by part four definitely but arguably by part three um and uh, yeah it really comes down to the creativity and this is the dream world so there's a billion things you can do with it yep what were some of your picks what were some of the things you enjoyed um, okay, build up to your favorite one. Okay, Leave that to last. okay build up. Um, okay, building up. Uh, I really liked one that I had forgotten about until we sort of refreshed our memories just prior to starting. Was uh, I think it's in four, Dream Master, uh, where Freddy's in the classroom and literally sucks the life out of uh, out of the girl in that film. Uh, I forgot the character's name. That's how much it stuck with me. That I one. Don't, yeah, I don't think you need one. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he she is in the classroom and he goes up to her and he's like, "Do you want to suck face?" Which is a bit of a shitty cheesy line, <laughs> but the kill I thought was really cool. I really liked that one actually. And and close close to that one. Okay, and then building up, I'm going to do three now. Okay. Okay. Uh, my next one, and it's a tie for two, is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, the Johnny Depp scene. Yeah. Uh, sucked into the bed, huge uh, blood fountain, uh, just looks fucking cool. Um, we're saying just, yeah, because we were watching some of these beforehand. It's weird with the, the suck face one, is that I remember like, yeah, I remember I was sticking out in that film, but that's a really bad film. Like We both hated yeah. that film, and it was yeah. kind of hard to enjoy any of the kills in the context of where we're at in the series by that mm-hmm. point. But when you come back and then you just pick out certain elements, it's like, well, that was actually a cool element. Yeah. And one of the best bits in the series, but the yeah. film's so fucking bad. Awful. How many people are going to get to see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just watch it just for that moment. Whereas with the Johnny Depp bit, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, And there's this bit at the end of it where the mother comes in and looks at the room and she's screaming or whimpering or whatever. And then the blood kind of slides and the lamp is on its side and the gravity in the room has shifted yeah, a little bit. Yeah, does it sort of go into like slow-mo a bit there as well? God, yes, definitely. They've, they've overcranked it so it's slowed and they must, they must have it on one of the, what do you call it, the rotating rooms or whatever. Yeah. And they've just shifted it a little bit so everything's just running to the side. Yeah. And that's the thing for me. It's unnerving for some reason. This is kind of just like, oh, so yeah. simple. I, li- I really enjoy the simple imagery mm-hmm. more than the crazy you know plasticine cgi yeah. practical whatever like you know. the, the, i appreciate it's the dream world so i appreciate some people want to come to these freddy films going well there's crazy stuff you can do that's what we should be doing and i do get that but for me i don't know there's just more unnerving simplicity to some of the dreams that affect me more absolutely and i think yeah when they've simplified it that's when they definitely become more unnerving because the problem with this franchise as a whole is that the dream sequences were too over the top and then became too cartoony. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't kind of deal with that line uh, in a good way. Like I, th- I still think it could have been kind of grounded in a bit of reality visually, I think. 
I mean, okay, so a close second for me on the kills, along with the Johnny Depp. Uh, I can't remember which one it's from. Uh, the waterbed scene. Yeah, I think that's five think as well, actually. Five or four. <clears throat> um, um, I think that's five. Where one of the characters is on a waterbed and he starts sort of having a wet dream fantasy about this model uh, that he's got a poster of and he takes his sheets off and she's swimming naked um, in the water on in his waterbed and then it transforms to Freddy. He gets pulled under and the best bit that I really like about that is when his mom discovers him and she finds him just like floating face up, which just looked fucking cool. Yep. Um, so that was the second, uh, close to the Johnny Depp one. And then for me, the favorite... Um, is is Tina's kill in Nightmare on Elm Street, the first film, um, and I think it's Freddy's first, the first Freddy kill that we see. Um, yeah. And I love this. I love all the build up, apart from the long kind of Freddy hands when he when she sees him in the alley, which I was never a huge fan of. But the bits following that, you're having where he cuts off his fingers as he's chasing her, and his face is still really sort of dark and obscured, um, except the white of his eyes really stand out. Um, and then just her the the whole scene like her flipping up on the wall and being dragged across the ceiling um and and sort of seeing in re- what is happening in reality compared to seeing what he's doing yeah. in the dream is the bit yeah is the what's most affecting and it's just like wow that do you think that's something that they should have done more of seeing it from the from people who are awake's perspective rather than people in the dreams maybe yeah i think so i think like the thing, reason why that worked is that it played, it built up the dream sequence so you could see where it was happening. But then to kind of shift it back into the reality and see mm. just a person being ripped apart without any physical force they're doing it. For me, it was that was terrifying. I think that was an interesting point. I haven't really thought about it in that context. But yeah, to maybe play with how you... Sorry, I've just put a big throat sweet in my mouth <laughs> and it's enormous. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like to like maybe play it as you're inside the dreams. You see it from the protagonist or the victim's perspective. And you get that as a build. But then when you get to the punchline, pull out from the dream and show yeah. it from someone else's perspective, seeing what's happening to someone and how eerie that can be. Because you've seen the context, but they haven't seen the context. Exactly. And then it's like, for me, then it highlights the person sleeping, their vulnerability. And then also the powerlessness of the people that are awake seeing that happen like yeah um so yeah that was my top my top three How well, it's gonna be are? really annoying because i have exactly the same <laughs> ones i didn't even look um, at that i know i'm gonna written down right here and you know what's really weird because yeah i mean the waterbed one i think is fantastic for me that's like the way it should have gone in terms of being more fun because it's not as the waterbed one isn't as spooky as the tina one at yeah, all yeah not at all but it's fun striking imagery there's some nudity as well it's all the things like a schlocky horror film should be but it works on all of the fronts for me and it's about the only bit in that film that works and actually uh, a point that i've heard to make and i think i mentioned this on that podcast was that i liked that because it wasn't a gory bloody kill as well yeah you know yeah it was just an effective yeah idea and um yeah and the johnny depp one's great again for me it wouldn't get in here if it wasn't for that weird spooky slide sliding of the wall the Tina one, absolutely. Like, I love it. Even without the precursor stuff, even without Freddy's face coming off, without the fingers, without the chase, just a bit in a room. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love how it's done. Um, and I think it doesn't seem antiquated to me. Like, some of these yeah. do. But that genuinely doesn't. Like, that is genuinely... Like, the Johnny Depp one, when he sinks into his bed, it still works because it's all practical, but it looks a bit goofy. Yeah. But 
her one when she's she's spinning in the middle of the room and it's fucking just eerie. I love it. Yeah. And um, and what's weird about this is, other than the sucking face one, all the ones we like take place in a bed. <laughs> and not sure. many kills in the Nightmare on Elm Street series actually take place in a bed. Yeah. Um, considering you know it's about nightmares, so many of them are out wandering around and doing weird stuff. Um, falling asleep in random places. Yes, yeah, so that's interesting. Though, that yeah. That's that's definitely a thread that we, we like <laughs> if we don't have a bed in our kill we're not happy um so final girls is something we like to do um all good horror films have a final girl well that's a lie most horror films just have a final girl um and i'm on elm street weirdly it's really weird because watching the Fri- uh, friday 13th films even the halloween films i'm trying to think now like there are a lot of these films where you have really iconic final girls yeah other than Heather Langkamp from part one, and you might be about to correct me if, if I'm wrong with one of these, and other than, I guess, Patricia Arquette mm-hmm. in number three, yep. um, although it's really an ensemble bunch, but, you know, she's the final girl, yeah. but there are some other final characters. Um, none of the final girls stick out for me in these movies. They don't What about seem the final iconic. boy from... The final boy two. does stick out <laughs> for me for many reasons. Um... <laughs> But you know what I mean? There's like, none yeah. of them really feel iconic. In number four, you, no, sorry, number three, sorry, number three, you've got Patricia Arquette. Number four, you've got the the new girl playing Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got number five. I'm trying to remember. I'm going to look through here on IMDb quickly. In the Dream Child, you've got, no, Heather Langham was not back there. I don't know why she's there. Yeah, Lisa Wilcox playing Alice again. That's right. Because she it gets passed over to yeah. her in number four. I mean, she was all right, but she wasn't. You know, there's nothing special about her. She's a bit, she's a bit just a bland. Yeah. Um, and then number six was just a excuse the pun, just a, a nightmare of characters. Um, and then it was actually his daughter, isn't it? Who's the final girl in number six? Remember? It's like a twist at the end. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we blocked that one out. <laughs> Still, I tell you what. The other one I do like, who again isn't the final girl, is the girl who in the remake is basically playing Tina's role as the fake character that you think, oh, this is going to be our lead, and then it's not our lead. Uh, which is I've forgotten her name. I really like her. It's Katie Cassidy who mm-hmm. plays Chris Fowles. Yep. In the remake, she for me, I like. I was really in the movie then. She I, was I sort of like she the, was the great. Tina character. Yeah, she's beautiful, but she had charisma and character, and I was really on board. Uh, Rooney Mara, who's a great actress, did nothing for me in the remake. You didn't like her? I, I, I find her really her boring. Um, um, I don't find she she just didn't hold the screen for me. I wasn't like, I wasn't into her in that role at all. That's really interesting. I and I, I don't know if this is because I'm putting it at, sort of not looking at this as a standalone film and maybe I'm because I'm putting it up against the others in the series but yeah. she was one of the strongest for me I, I mean I oh, liked her in that for sure her acting is better but I didn't yeah. find her enjoyable and that's really really right. from what I want it's like I want just someone with there's a good charisma and there's good energy yeah to yeah and with her I felt no energy and that was really my whole problem with the remake there's no energy mm-hmm. like we just rewatched the trailer and the trailer looks fantastic for that the movie trailer looks awesome um, but if the movie actually had that amount of energy it'd be great but it just feels so boring mm-hmm. and, that, and she was part of the reason for that whereas uh, Katie Cassidy had a great energy to her yep um, so yeah I mean Rooney Mara is a much better actress mm-hmm. than almost everyone who's played in any of the series up to that point um 
So, I mean, yeah, like, do you have... Is it just Patricia Arquette? I mean, do you care about Heather Langenkamp? Like... I mean, for me, Heather Langenkamp... Langenkamp. <laughs> uh, she's definitely the iconic final girl for this franchise. Got the big hair. Got the big hair. Um, and that's it, really. The big <laughs> hair. That's all she's got. Um, so, I mean, if I were to ever think of this franchise, I would think of her. But uh, Patricia Arquette is... The standout for me. Interesting, okay. Um, and I was thinking about that last night before, you know, sort of preparing for this. So you had a bath? <laughs> I was thinking while I was having a bath. Uh, and I like to think of my final girls as I soak in a hot tub full of uh, essential oils and bubbles. That is the governmental recommended way to think about a final girl. <laughs> uh, Patricia Arquette was the one that, uh, you know... Popped in the head? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what... A, I, uh, I don't know what it is exactly about her. I think there was something just about her presence on screen was quite charismatic. There was a nice vulnerability that I believed from her. Um, you know, she wasn't necessarily in the best film in the series, but it wasn't nowhere near the worst either. Um, to a lot of people, that is the best film in the series. Um, a lot of people, oh, there he is. Uh, and I mean, she got eaten by the big Freddy worm slash dick. So. She did. <laughs> she had a penis go down on her. Is yeah. how that poster looks. Oh, these wow. posters are great. We're just looking at some of the posters for Nightmare on Elm Three international ones. Oh my god! I think, is that Ty? Is that? I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks like. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Something uh, that looks incredible. She looks like she's having an orgasm while the penis is eating her. And quote, one of the toughest horror movies of the 80s, the most spectacular and disturbing special effects since The Exorcist. One of the toughest horror movies of the 80s. What does that mean? I don't know. And and I think she is a bit, she's a much better actress than Heather. um, Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Patricia Arquette, you know, she's got the star power. She's got the looks. She's a better actress than Heather Langkamp. Um, But, for me, there is something about Heather Langkamp that I really love. Like, I, I like, I don't know. There's something about her mousiness that, that works for me. No, you're just role. talking about her in one or in Particularly one, Particularly in one. And I actually like her in seven a lot. Um, I think Heather Langkamp's really good in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, in three, I think she's pretty awful. Yeah. I think she's actually really bad in three. And I'm not sure why that is. But I like her in one. I don't think she's a great actress necessarily, but she just works for me in that part. And I know why for some people they want... A heroine with a bit more bite to her. Yeah. Um, but I kind of found her mousiness uh, believable. And in Seven, I think she's great. Actually. She's great in Seven. And I think uh, Seven, she was definitely the most believable. I think in Three, the issue was for me was, and it's not necessarily her fault, was that her casting wasn't quite right. Of her playing like this kind of yeah university graduate. Older. Yeah. Shoulder padded. Yeah. Sort of who had had this history, personal history with the story, but was now kind of helping teenagers through similar experiences. And that I just didn't believe because yeah. like, you look like one of them. Yeah, yeah. no, completely, completely. Um, all right. So we're kind of, kind of agreeing so far on everything. Um, we did agree on a lot of the films, to be honest, other than six. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could have serious consequences for our friendship if we, with this particular franchise, if we disagreed because it's, you would suddenly think there's something wrong with me if I started... <laughs> If you started liking what you Favoriting. Think, you're picking heroin chick for number six. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, what, um, all right. So let's talk then. Let's actually, you know what? 
let's go for our favorites because I think really talking about it as a full franchise, how it fits, you know, what we really feel about it yeah. overall and where it fits in horror, is really what we should talk about at the end of this. Um, so let's get yeah, let's get into our actual making our list. Okay, so we've seen all these movies. Yep. Uh, we, we know which ones we recommended, but we don't necessarily know which order mm-hmm. you'd place those in. So ideally, Alex, do you, I mean, do you have, I know you know your favorite and your least favorite. Mm-hmm. I think I've... Do you think you can rank them? Yeah, I think I, yeah. Okay. I think I can. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Starting from the bottom, obviously. Starting from the bottom. Or so Always start from the bottom. So the worst one for me, uh, which you've given, yep, the points to, is part five, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um... Which one was that? Where is it? No, right, no, it's right five. down here. Five, the dream the child. child. 1989. Yeah. Uh, but set in 2002, was that one or something? I can't remember. It's set in some ridiculous date. That's right. Anyway. By far the worst for me. Uh, I won't talk about it yet. I'll just keep going through the rankings. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, until I don't agree with you, I'm going to talk at the same time. Otherwise, we're repeating ourselves. Yep. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. I think part five is the worst. Okay. Uh, even though it has the waterbed killers in that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of my favorite kills. The film's just unbelievably drab. And what's worse about it is that it's trying to be fun. Yeah. Like Freddy is fully gone into cartoonish, weird, you skateboarding comic book realm of dumbness. Um, but it's not fun in any point. It's not fun and it's not scary. Yeah. And it's just ridiculing everything that made the series great uh, while not finding something new to do with it, which I'm sure we'll get to six in a minute, which arguably finds something you know, it finds a way to make the, the dumbness slightly fun. Um, Part six. Yeah, whereas yeah. with five, there's nothing there at all for me other than one kill, I think. I think literally. There's no... Yeah, I, and this is also the one with the uh, comic book shredding yeah, kill, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh for me, there's no reason to ever have to watch this film. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty... <laughs> that's pretty fair. Absolutely. Uh, moving up to the next one, I think is... Quite a straightforward choice again as well is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Uh, let me just have a quick look. Um, I should also say part five, I gave two out of ten to because I've been scoring these as I went along. Um, that's about as damning as I can get, <laughs> two out of ten. So this is the one where... Uh, dream... Oh no, I was looking at Dream, dream Master. That's right. Sorry, I need to refresh my memory. <laughs> now we have an advert of a squirrel. Some of them, <laughs> some of them I've, I think I've deliberately blocked out. We literally just went back and like rewatched bits so we remembered exactly which one's which. Yeah. And this is what I'll get into at the end, but this is part of the problem with the Nightmare on Elm Street series is like they just merge Especially, into one yeah. big lumpy... That, that middle lump for mess. sure. Yeah, in the middle for sure. Uh, Dream Master follows... Oh, that's right. We've got... <laughs> we've got fighting your time into the trailer. We've, yeah, we've got uh, the girl who is taking on the Patricia Arquette character, mm-hmm. but not played by Patricia And you got, the, you got the other... Um, I've forgotten their names. Like Kincaid was one. And then yeah. you got the other spindly guy yeah. who were left over from three. And then they basically pass the baton over to Alice, who's the new girl, mm-hmm. who then continues in part five. And essentially, this is the start of where the house itself becomes... A sort of yeah, iconic entity. Of evil somehow. Yeah, like Nancy's yeah. house somehow becomes the source of evil. Which they never actually get into it like properly to explain, do they? No. And there we go, going down the birth canal. Um, which yeah. again became repeating imagery after this film. Yeah. Um, awful. This one is just awful. Um, 
And I think, oh my God, that's right. There's the beach scene. So I think here, this is the, the transition to kind of cartoony horror was beginning, but it was still trying to play itself yeah. in a more serious well, just, realm, It was trying to do what number three did. Like it, three did really well. It was trying to have fun with it, but still be spooky. Rennie Harlan directed this one, mm-hmm. you know, and he's done some stylish films. So it looks better than yeah. quite a few of them. Um, but yeah, it was and they're clearly trying bad. to be more inventive with the dream sequences, and it's just, uh, yeah, not not for our taste. Nope, not for our uh, taste. So I'm with you as well. Four is my second to last favorite. I uh, gave it a three out of ten. <laughs> so we're moving up in the world gradually. Okay, next. Oh, this is tricky. This is tricky for me. Um, I'm going to say. And despite recommending it, and I stand by my recommendation you're of not, this film. You're not doing it. What? Are you really? Part six. You're putting that... So you're putting that... You're putting a recommendation lower than non-recommendations. Is that just on reflection? Or is that is there a caveat to that? Um, slightly on reflection. But there's... I think insanity had set in by that point. <laughs> At this point, yeah. Uh, well, it's very. It's. A, I'll tell you what. It's. It. This next one is split for me between part six and part two. Okay. Uh, the reason why I'm putting part six below, just slightly below part two, is that I feel that there's something unique about part two because of its backstory um, and its intent by the director, um, which we explain in the podcast about part two that I think makes it, gives it a bit more kind of like intrigue why I would recommend put it in that order. Okay. So you're going six and then two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> This is really weird. I'm exactly the same. Um, yeah, I did not recommend six, but I put it there as my, was that seventh favorite or whatever? Um, I gave it a 4.5, but I gave two a 4.5 as well, but I agree with you for very different reasons. I think two is actually, I think two is a decent film. Like I do, I just don't think it's that enjoyable. And I think everything it's doing, number one, did miles better. Yeah. So it's kind of a redundant, okay film. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas six is a fucking disaster, mm-hmm. but it's found a way to relish being a disaster that five didn't where five was still sort of trying to be straight faced while being a disaster yeah and failed on all fronts six is so fucking dreadful yeah and they that just it go is for it almost a party movie it's almost yeah. like you have some drinks and as long as you got i would say i wouldn't watch it on my own but if i had you know some friends around and there's like one well, it's a really horrible movie no i wouldn't put it on but <laughs> but well, there know, could be a content if they're a freddy fan i it was could be fun. i was wanted a um like music arts festival back in England when right. I was performing uh, right. with impresarios. Uh, and one night there was a big tent set up there um, where people were just drinking. Some people were just getting stoned and they just played B movies all night and watching them in that atmosphere with collect like a big group of people was so much fun. Yeah. And Freddie six would be perfect in that kind of environment. What kind of B movies were they watching that night? Uh, that night we watched, uh, are we talking about biblical stoning? <laughs> yes, exactly. Good, good. Yeah, okay. uh, we watched Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, um, Plan. What is the, it? the original one? Yep. Like on original. no, wait, I can't remember. Was it the one with George Clooney? It's like an eighties style. Yeah. Well, the original 
Yeah, seventies. It's very just like 70s. so. They literally just roll tomatoes yeah, down the hill. That one. Yeah, we <laughs> watched that. One. We watched um, uh, Plan B. Is it Plan B from Outer Space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Edward film. Awesome. Uh, and this really bad like kung fu film called Ninja Terminator. Oh, I've never seen that one. I've seen the trailer. Oh, it's got some great bits <laughs> in it. Um, but like perfect atmosphere, and or I Freddy's feel like dead. Freddy, yeah, would be great. In yeah, that kind of atmosphere. A warm up like festival film as well for like a horror festival when you yeah. watch some bad films for whoever's there early. It's like put that on. Everyone can throw some popcorn at the yeah. screen. <laughs> and it's just like people laugh and it's it's fun. Um, so yeah. Okay. So then, what was your next? Okay, so we have part six, part four. Oh, now it's getting it's getting getting tough. I would. Um... So we've really we've removed that middle lump of four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, it's gone. So you're left with one, three, seven, Freddy versus Jason, then the remake. Uh, so for me now would be part three. I hope that isn't what you've put down as well. It is exactly difference. what I've put down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, this is a good podcast. Lots of oh, contrast. Lots of contrasting opinions and so flavors. On, part three is a lot of people's favorite nightmare. Like really is. And it's our, that makes it our fifth favorite. Which with nine films in the series means it's below halfway down, you know, our rungs. I gave it a six out of ten. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I think... I mean, for me, it was great after two in that it it recaptured um, a lot of sort of elements that I liked in, in the first one. It was a bit more focused, um, although there were lots of characters, which made it hard... Which kind of contradicts what I'm saying, that it was focused, because it would have been better if it was more focused on a tighter group. Um, but something about it was just, I don't know, not quite there for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, oh, that's it. I didn't like the kind of superpowers in the dreams. Yeah, yeah. The finale was too yeah, much. And that kind of, it sort of broke it for me, that it was like, that that's how they were combating him, because they realized they were dreaming, and in dreams, they can do anything as well. I think it really depends how much do you like the second tier version of Freddy. And I don't mean second tier in a derogatory way, but what Freddy became mm-hmm. in terms of weirder dream sequences, exactly what we are talking about earlier, you know, like more practical, weird effects, lots of imagination in what they're doing, characters being involved, you know, with the dreams more aggressively. And that's really where the whole series went from three onwards. And it saved the series. It built the series doing stuff like this, you know, um, because it was otherwise, well, where else do we go? Um, and a lot of people, that's what they respond to with this series. They want that stuff. And as I said earlier, I just, that's not what resonates with me with this series, which means maybe it's not a series for me, you know, but yeah. we'll talk about that later. Um, so yeah, that's why I put three in the same place. I think it's a well-made film. I think there's some good talent in there. Lawrence Fishburne outacts everyone on screen whenever he's <laughs> there. He really does. Um, but it's getting into that realm that I'm less interested in, which yeah. is Freddie starting to be more comic booky. Um, the characters starting to be more comic booky, and I love comic book stuff, but it's not what I want from my horror film like that. Um, the goofiness. Yeah, and that's it. When you look at it, sort of, of if you look at it in its place within the franchise, it definitely within was that oeuvre. turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a bit sad, <laughs> I think. But it's. A, I mean, I get why people really enjoy it. Like, it's definitely the best made. Of the fun mm-hmm. nightmare films, mm-hmm. I'm just not necessarily looking for fun. Yeah, from my nightmare films. Yeah, agreed. 
What's your next one? Uh, my next one. So we just did part three. I just got to block, <laughs> gotta block that so it doesn't subconsciously affect you. Uh, so we said part three. Uh, now you got one seven. The verses and the remake. For me now, it is part. It's between um, Freddy vs. Jason and the remake. Okay. Um, what what are we up to? Four. This yeah, you got four. What's your four favorite nightmare film? I'm gonna say the remake. Um, it's exactly what I what I have. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Why Why is the remake your four favorite nightmare film? You know, it's it didn't. I was really excited about this um, when we sort of had said goodbye to that first bulk of Freddy films after um, part six. And we moved on to the new Wes Craven one. New Nightmare and the remake were the two that I was really looking forward to. Um, and I was excited because obviously the trailer looks great. And I thought, and I was hoping that it would put it back in a darker, more grittier place where I wanted to see the franchise go. Which it um, does. Which it does. But... For some reason, it just didn't hit me like I expected. It fell short of my expectations. Mm. Um, I didn't... And, and maybe I need to see it again. I haven't seen it again. Because the new Freddy was quite jarring for me. I didn't necessarily like his his voice. I thought... I haven't even cut you yet. Yeah, I don't know. It, something fell short for me. And it just didn't get me as excited as I wanted. It, it looked great. This is the one I keep thinking about. Like, I keep wanting to go back to it, even though we just saw it. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to watch that again. And it's because, and I said it at the time in our podcast on it, like all the Platinum Dunes films, I want it to be as good as it should be. Yeah. And as good as it really nearly is. Mm-hmm. But they all just lack this very crucial element. And this one, kind of more than the others, I keep thinking, well, oh, that's the one, if I go back to it, that's the one that's the best Platinum Dunes film. And it's not like this is actually in a weird way one of the worst ones, but mm-hmm. it could be so fucking good. Like the yeah. micro naps are great in it. Yeah. Like I say, if they kept with Cass- uh, Cassidy for me as the lead, would have been great. Or just done more with Rooney's character because she can certainly act. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really play on the sleep deprivation. Depriv- depriv- deprivation. Thank you. Uh, words are hard. Uh, they really play <laughs> on that, which I like. But everyone looks exhausted in this bored, lethargic, yeah. tedious way. Rather than looking tired in a kind of frenetic, we got to figure this out and I'm going crazy and I'm so fucking yeah. tired. And, and so there's just a complete lack of energy. And as I said in the podcast, there's, there's one song played in the background of any of the scenes, even in a diner scene at the beginning that goes on way too long. There's no music in the background and there's just no energy because of that. The music, the score is so drab yeah. and it just destroys the film. And I genuinely kind of would love to go into it and take the time to edit it again and add like some songs in the background and stuff because it just to see you know, doesn't make it the film that you feel it should be and watching that trailer again. It's yeah. Like, it should be fucking great. The Freddy thing I get, like I had that problem the first time I watched it. This time I had no problem with him. At yeah. All. Like I didn't find him. Yeah, sure. He's different and he's a bit short, but I actually like his voice and I actually like what he's doing with the role a lot. His mm-hmm. twitchy finger thing is really cool. And, yeah. Um, and he's definitely like, yeah, he's creepy. Super creepy. And I love, I, I, and I, an element that I did really love in that was also that blurred line of, was he wrongly accused? Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, again, it would have been fun for them to go all the way through with that, so you could actually get behind Freddy as a villain. Yeah, because you can't get behind. Freddy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they go the full length here with the fact that he was sexually the full abusing. length. Not just that he was a murderer, but that he was abusing these children. Well, you made it inappropriate for me to make that joke. Thanks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You, did, you filthy man. So yeah, I think what you're saying about energy really hits the nail on the head. I think that was it for me, was that it just, it, by lacking that energy, it lacked a, a kind of pulse to it. It kind of kept moving and kept it, yep. kept you invested in it. Um, it's such a but fucking it's so, shame. It's frustrating. I, I, I you want to like you. it, I feel you? very frustrated about this film because I really want to like it. It looks beautiful. They've They've got so many elements and themes that I wanted is after watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street where I was like, and seeing where the franchise went, where I was like, oh, this is what I want. Yeah. And there's so many bits that are so close to it that even thinking about it, it gets me excited. But then thinking of the film overall, it's like, Rah, but you just fell short. That's a problem. You can keep kidding yourself with them, you know? Like yeah. I think about, like, oh, that was probably awesome. I was probably just tired that day. I'll go back and rewatch it. I'm like, nah, <laughs> it doesn't work. But it starts pretty well. Again, like, when we're watching it that time, the first five minutes, I'm like, this is, this is fucking awesome. This is going to be great. And then yeah. just very quickly, oh, it's already getting tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's your number, that's your number four. four. What's your number three? My number three is uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because it's slightly set aside from the yeah. franchise Yeah, it doesn't itself. really fit into any of the canon or anything of the series. Mm. It just kind of is. But it is a fucking fun, fun party film. Um, yeah, just pitting the two together. Um, yeah, it's great fun. And this is actually a film where, for once, you know, so like they, they, they actually do make you um, not want to back Freddy. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like in the others, it was always kind of blurred and people were like, yeah, cool, Freddy's doing these kills. Or in this one, you're like, he... He's a bad man. He's a bad man. He's, um, and you, and you want to you back Jason in this. Yeah, you do. Um, and, I, and it's fun. I, I just enjoyed it. I mean, that's simple as that. I kind of see it as a sort of standalone, definitely to the franchise. But if you're going to rank them, it has to be up there just for, for sort of pure enjoyment. And, Could I, I mean, that's the thing, if you're comparing it, the closest you can compare it to is number six in terms of, mm. it's a bad film, Freddy vs. Jason. The dialogue's yeah. really bad. The acting's really bad. It's hard to kind of engage with any of the characters other yeah. than Freddy and Jason. Um, it's like bubblegum, you know, heavy metal trash kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it's filmed very slick. Obviously, it costs more than any of the others until the remake, I think. Um and it's just, yeah, so much fucking fun. Like, they just go for it. And particularly with the last half now payoff, which is, yeah, tons of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie. Um, yeah, and, and once once again, I have <laughs> the same order. I'm at number three for this film as well. Uh, it took me a little bit of thinking between this and seven because I uh, they're very different films, obviously. Mm-hmm. Very, very different films. Um, but yeah, I can't in good faith say Freddy vs. Jason is better than Wes Craven's New Nightmare because it's not. Is it yeah. more fun? And would I go back to it more times? Probably, yeah. You know, Would I recommend it to people? Yeah. like I would probably recommend Freddy vs. Jason more to people than I presume the next one we're going to talk about. But I don't know. Maybe you're going to switch stuff around. Alex, what's your number two nightmare film? My number two nightmare film is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah, not, uh, yeah me too. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. with exactly the same order of films over nine movies. Absolutely. And Is yeah, this why we're friends? Probably. Okay. And, you know, I think this could be a controversial choice for the diehard Freddy fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I can see that. I can understand that now. I can, having seen the film, even going back and watching the trailer, which I hadn't seen. It's a bizarre trailer. It is just like, it's out there. And I can imagine fans of the previous Freddy films seeing that would have just been like, what the hell is this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, is it in reality? Are they making, a, is it like a joke? I, I don't know. Um but for me, the the concept and the idea is brilliant. I thought it was just such a clever, clever way for Wes Craven slightly to kind of stick his finger up at, oh, at New Line. Everything that's happened so at, yeah. far. Um, and sort of reclaim his original idea. And in a way, just be like, this is me. I'm going to like kill it, but essentially. Um, well, put, not just to kill it, but like put a full stop on it. Yeah. Uh, I thought was great. I thought, um, you know, revisiting sort of elements from the first one, Heather Langenkamp, as we said before, is great in it. Most believable for me. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really, it's been, it's my most watched of all these, um, because this was kind of the gateway one for me. Like I'd seen the original one, but it spooked me out too much. The age of that, whereas this one was kind of a good bracket of it. It's scary, but it's not too scary. And it was, you know, sort of, you know, sixth form intelligent. Like, it's not actually that smart, but it felt smart when I watched it. And yeah. it's certainly smarter than most horror films. Definitely smarter than the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And, and just brave and interesting. And I would rather watch something brave and interesting that fails mm -hmm. than watching something safe that succeeds. And, and I think this, for the most part, does succeed. Yeah, I think there's some problems. I think the ending... It's a bit messy and contradictory and perversely, yeah, pseudo intellectual with its Greek mythos and yeah, stuff, yeah. which is. Um, but yeah, I think I think I did. There's some just great moments in this film and transition of her then playing he uh, Heather. Sorry, Heather playing. Um, uh, fuck, I forgot her name now. Nancy. Nancy. Um, is so so much fun like that scene where she accepts john saxon as her father again and oh, freddie's yeah. coming out the bed and the music and then it's a nosferatu shadow and stuff really really like it um yeah i love i love west craven's new nightmare but yeah you're right a lot of people might be pissed off with that but yeah and i mean because i mean it completely pulls freddie back and away from the cartoony stuff yeah um well i think the two ones where he's most serious are our two favorite ones, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a coincidence. Yeah. And I think, yeah, as we were saying earlier, the reason why three, you know, and Wes Craven's would be so low for some people, they're normally the people who think three is the best, I think, because yeah. that's what they wanted. They wanted a fun popcorn version of Freddy, mm -hmm. but done well. And um, this isn't at all what they were looking for. Yeah. So that leaves us with our favorite Nightmare on Elm Street, which is A Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one on in 1984. Street. Do you have anything left you have to say about that film? I mean, they should have stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> That was going to be my next question. If the first one <laughs> is your favorite one, is there any point in the rest of the franchise? Um, yeah, no. I, I feel like that should have that should have been it. Change the ending slightly so you don't have that silly car Freddy canopy and him driving off and pulling the mom out the window. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, which is an obvious kind of sequel setup. And that's it. Leave it at that until you maybe do a reboot 20 years later. Do you just admit all of them 
mid seven as well because seven doesn't really make sense without yeah the bad ones in between yeah and i would even sacrifice new nightmare which i like so much mm-hmm. but for me new nightmare is great because of what i said it's like it's a commentary on yeah, it. yeah it's a commentary on it and it's um but but for me if they had just left left it after that you'd have been happy yeah and it would i think i think i think a nightmare on elm street would be getting more credit do you i mean do you does it do you think it would mar you now if you go back at any point to rewatch the original one knowing what happens to that character and what happens to the series do you think it'll affect your enjoyment of the first one or do you think you you can still just be you know what forget about the others this one still works yeah i think i can forget about i, I think i can really just focus on on that standalone film um and the elements that i like about it um because it's cool i mean it's not it's not the best horror film ever it's not perfect by any means there's some shoddy performances the mother um, but there's elements that are just amazing it's great it's slick it's fast it's like r- really tight well put together film uh talking before about focus it's really focused on its characters um you're invested in them um and it's nice it's short and sweet i love it i think yeah. it's great yeah, no, I, I'm with you completely. I think Freddy's character is so different in the first one mm-hmm. that you can watch it on its own and you can go back to it and ignore the rest. You know, I think it can be seen as its own thing. Um, which is interesting because, as we're about to talk about now with the whole franchise, or well, I guess we are talking about, that's one of my big problems with the whole franchise is it's too samey, which mm-hmm. is weird because we just talked about a very surreal seventh one, the first one which can kind of be taken on its own in many ways. But that's true of most first like films i think in a franchise yep um but so much of it just melds into one with me you know uh two arguably is a little different but like definitely three and four and five and six yeah they're an sure. amalgamation of the same type of thing mm-hmm. and doing the same kind of thing in different you know slightly different ways um and i don't know it's really hard i try and think if i can be fair because we came into this podcast you had seen the first one. You were aware of the others. Hadn't necessarily, you weren't sure if you'd actually seen any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were a fan of the first one. I came in and seen, I've seen a whole lot, a load of times. And I'm not, I'm a fan of the first one. I knew that. I was a fan of the seventh one. I knew that. Couldn't really remember much about the others. So I was excited to see them again. Um, other than obviously, yeah, Freddy versus Jason, which I've seen a bunch. Um, and I came in like not at all a fan. Really, really just feeling like I've always been very down on Freddy. Other than I love the first one, I've always been pretty down on him as a franchise icon. Um, so I came really with open arms, like I really did. I came in saying, okay, I want to give you a fair chance and I want you to show me yeah. the franchise. And he was the Halloween films and the same stuff does really sort of happen, you know, same character and the same style of kills and Friday the 13th, I guess, you know, same sort of things happen. But there's a real variety to those movies which and ex- an experimentation that i personally see in them in terms of well what can we do with the character what can we do with the setups where with nightmare the experimentation for me just really comes with the dreams yeah and that's something that for me i'm not that interested in the way they think is imaginative to do the dreams you know mm-hmm. for me it's like yeah we're talking about like switching maybe perspectives on something and yeah is is a way to actually make it more affecting rather than more fun um, and I think that's really what I'm going to keep coming down to. Like, Freddy series 
became preoccupied with wanting to be fun. Yeah. And for me, the premise of a child killer or molester later um, who haunts people's dreams and the first one is genuinely terrifying. And the first Halloween's not, not that scary at all. First Friday 13th's not that scary at all. Um, none of the Friday 13th's are scary at all. But the first number on Elm Street is really scary. So to come from that and then to be, okay, we want to make a franchise that's fun just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas with Friday and Halloween, it does. Because like, well, that premise can be fun. That's fine. Yeah, that. yeah. And I'm kind of behind the character. I just can't get behind Freddy at any point. So I'm just left with the, you know, the lead characters and they're just not interesting most mm-hmm. of the time. How are you feeling about the whole franchise? <laughs> yeah, it's... It's... Uh, I think this is a good way to put it into context of how I'm feeling. Uh, so I just got back from a trip overseas. I was gone for two weeks. And midway through the trip, I had a very, very sort of lucid dream. Or it shifted into a lucid dream. Essentially what was happening in the dream was that you and I were watching A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Doesn't sound likely. I, I don't even know what film it was. It could have been a new one. But essentially my overriding feeling in the dream which i think echoes into reality and how i felt by by the time i got to the end of these was i don't want to see anymore i don't want to watch any more <laughs> freddy like i just don't apart yeah yeah i just didn't want to see anymore it was like it was just um like beating a dead horse mm. um but then the next interesting part of this dream was that freddy was suddenly present and I realized that I was in a dream about Freddy and the reality became of like, holy shit, Freddy's real. And I'm in a dream right now. And Freddy was real. And I was having a real <laughs> Freddy dream where That's I was awesome. conscious of being in my dream and, and frightened and unaware if this was almost like in seven, like had the threshold of, of, fiction and cinema been broken had you woken up again and again like yeah and freddie was now real and i was in his dream and he was pointing his his glove towards me and and somehow i found another kind of glove and i was like trying to push it back onto his face and it was like his glove was like this and i was tangled he had his glove pointed at me and i had a glove pointed at him and it was like tearing up his face and it was and i woke up and i was genuinely frightened Awesome. And I was like, oh my God, Freddy has just visited me and tried to kill me and I've woken up. <laughs> Trying to communicate to you, Alex. Uh, so that second half of the dream was true. But the first part, I think, really says how I felt by the end of this franchise was that I'd had enough. Like yeah. it just, it wasn't, it was, it certainly wasn't in- interesting to me anymore. And like you were saying about, I think they just didn't, the whole dream idea became... In some ways, a dream, the fact that it was in dreams should have made it limitless, but I felt that they became limited in a way because they wanted to make it fun and were trying to push the sort of boundaries of what they could do in a dream, but it just became like a repetition of silly, cartoony ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was just like, I'm, I'm no. So did, and, did the end of your dream, firstly, what type of Freddy was it in your dream? Uh, it would have been like a first Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy. Okay. Cause that's the thing we didn't get into is what's your, normally you do what's your favorite version visually of the character. I'm presuming 
were probably both Nightmare One. Yeah, I I also really liked Freddy in in the first half of Nightmare Two. Okay, I thought he looked really cool. The way they sort of uh, showed him, revealed him, was really cool. I thought that in the first half. Okay. Um, um, so it was that kind of yeah. Freddy in your dream. Nice. So did then, I mean, after going through that, I like having, that's a great dream, by the way. But I've been having that first half of a dream where you kind of, oh, I don't want any more Freddy films. Mm-hmm. And then having him actually, you know, visit you. Does the, does the genuine, did you feel real, real fear from that then? Like you're genuine. I woke up terrified. So does that not make you kind of like, look, there's still something here. Like there's still something they could do with this. Or do you think, um, yeah, I mean, I think I said that after watching the first film and maybe in a couple of the others of just the idea um, I found incre- like it really resonated with me. And that's horror films I like are the ones that I will go home and I will think about it or I'll dream about it. When I first watched Blair Witch, I went home and I dreamt mm. another really strong dream. Of you dreamt being, about twigs. Being so. in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in that sense, yes, I still think there's something there that has huge resonance with people. Dreaming, being vo- vulnerable in dreams. Yeah. That crossover of when you a dream suddenly, beca- like you have a re- very lucid dream and, and that moment you wake up and you're still not sure where you're at. Yeah. There's huge resonance in that idea. So I still think there is life in him yet in a way, even though with what has come out, I'm already like, no, I don't want any more. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think, I think again, I'm going to keep talking about being scary or having fun. And I think that's the big problem. So as we're looking right now on IMDb, there is a new Nightmare on Elm Street coming as we talked about briefly at the end of the last podcast. You can hear a little bit more information there, but it is classified as a reboot of the 1984 and the 2010 film. So they just want to start from scratch again, written by David Leslie Johnson. Um, We'll see what he's done before. I think we did look at this last time. I'm getting confused. He's written a new Aquaman film. He's written Dungeons and Dragons, which is coming out. Lots of new stuff. Oh, he's doing The Nun. The um, Conjuring 2. Yeah, he did a Conjuring 2 and The Nun is a spinoff from Conjuring 2. Uh, what else on Green Mile? Wrath of the Titans. Oh, that was a bad film. Yeah. Oh, I remember him now. Orphan as well. Um was a production assistant on the Shawshank Redemption, though. So. Oh, he's written some episodes of The Walking Dead. Um, but anyway, so he's writing it. No director attached yet. Uh, presumably not going to uh, be... What's his face? Um, fuck. What's his name? Who? The guy who played him in the remake. Oh, guy. Uh, hell, Joel. Oh, Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. That's it. got his name wrong. Jackie Earl I'm jet lagged. Um... Yeah, presumably won't be him playing it. It says it's produced by uh, Toby Emmerich as well, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just like, yeah, there's, there's great films that have been made here. They just have to decide before they do it. You know, that, okay, we're not trying to make a franchise because I don't think you can plan to make a franchise out of it if he is this insidious, you know, thing in the way that it used to be. Like for them to mm-hmm. be like, well, we want to create a franchise and tempold around Freddy. It's like, all right, then you have to make it fun. And that's fine, then make it fun, but you have to make him not necessarily sympathetic, but you have to make him not as disgusting as he is. Yeah. Because um, it was really so accidentally organic that he became, you know, the character that he became in the old ones. So I think that you have to go in and go, okay, then we're just going to do one film and it's going to be really, really scary. Um, which they sort of tried to do with the reboot, but I mm-hmm. think they had one eye always on making it into a franchise. And 
and it just doesn't work that way it really doesn't for me like this is something where it's yeah it's either fun and you can get on board with freddy or it's not fun and he can stay as you know as horrible a character as, as you want him to be um but yeah like you said there's so many things you can do with dreams so many so many more imaginative things they can do like the micronaps were a great idea in a mm-hmm. remake and i hope they bring something like that back again um, yeah that was great and that sort of plays on kind of like the tina death but uh in a more rapid way like in the supermarket or pharmacy scene yeah that's she's crawling scene. backwards and it's like <laughs> flashing back and forth yep but you're constantly seeing all the stuff like, oh, and like we talked about before great. that was my favorite scene in that movie and without coincidence it's also the only scene with music in the background <laughs> <laughs> there's just like character there to the scare you know rather yeah. than it being drab um all right i don't know if we've got much more to say really on nightmare on Elm street um yeah yeah i was gonna t- wrap wrap uh wrap up my thoughts you can wrap up your thoughts in a little bow no i was just gonna say that it's it's a franchise that i feel you can be very or you should be very selective with mm-hmm. but this goes to 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 what you prefer if you're like al and i and you're looking for that sort of darker grittier um sort of more inherently evil freddy then you'll find him in the films that we've in our top three i think but if you if you want the fun then yeah then watch four five six well good luck to you <laughs> i won't be this fun do we? Watch, well there's no fun yeah. watch three for sure if you want the fun yeah. um i mean does this make you you know from doing this slog Mm-hmm. Does it make you at all interested in other franchises and horror? Or does it make you kind of go, you know what? I just want to check out first things only and stay out of sequel territory. Um, no, I, I'm still. I would still be interested in revisiting different franchises. Um, just also to see how different with different franchises how that evolution is handled, mm. because I think um, Freddy. If, yeah, from two even, it, it sort of fell off the path a bit and it was kind of like a constant battle of like, where are we taking him and where yeah. are we going to put it? Like, like are you miming a wheelbarrow right now? It's just gone <laughs> awry. <laughs> uh, so I would be interested, yeah. I, I would. It doesn't put me off franchises at all. Okay. Do I think they're a good idea? Again, I need to watch more to have a bigger judgment on that, but I would definitely watch franchises just okay. for that reason. So you're not sorry you did it. Not at <laughs> yeah, all. Not at all. Not at all. Experience. There's something really, I said after the Friday one, there's something I find really, I don't know. I really enjoy yeah, looking at a whole series like that, seeing how they develop, like you say, seeing that evolution. Um, and particularly at my time in life now, because I've watched most of these series a bunch of times. I'm like, I don't want to have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to do it like this, get my feelings down, rank them. And then I know if I go back to which ones, I know exactly which ones I'll go back yeah. to. Um, which for me is a nice closing the door. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm closing the door on Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's really how I want to finish this podcast is I really am closing the door on it. I've realized, honestly, that franchise isn't for me. Like it isn't. Uh, I really love the ones we talked about. One, seven, Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Um, and the remake has its place, but it's not you know there. Um, but overall, the franchise is just not for me. And it's not the character that i'm looking for which is always disappointing because i love slasher films but i don't really get to see it as a slasher film a lot of time it is but it's not what i want from a slasher film i prefer my my villains to be menacing i prefer them to be silent most of the time not wearing chef hats helps 
not skateboarding helps. <laughs> not surfing helps. <laughs> All these things. Being a shark. Yeah, being a shark. Sorry, he never surfs. I apologize. Putting sunglasses on. Yep. These things help. If Freddie, if Jason suddenly put sunglasses on in yeah. the scene, I'd be out. I'm like, nope. Good, thanks. Um, so yeah, honestly, we're going to see how this goes because we're only on a second franchise. Um, we did Friday the 13th before this. So if you were interested, you can go back and you can listen to those podcasts. Go on YouTube uh, or really just go on iTunes is the easiest way. Type in Geeks, type in Friday the 13th um, and you'll get our whole podcast up and you can subscribe to it. Uh, next up, starting from next week, because I'm just continuing because I'm crazy. He's lost his mind. Um, we're gonna, so we're flipping a coin on this right now. So come back next week and find out. But we're doing either, we're going straight into another massive temple, which is Halloween. And we're going to go through all the Halloweens, uh, the two Rob Zombie remakes as well. Um, but there is a new Halloween movie coming. So we might be pushing that and timing it to fit with when the new Halloween comes out. So we could be doing Scream as a stopgap. And I'm in for Scream. You're in for Scream. Definitely. Especially. It's just four movies. Yeah. It's just a. You it's know, short and nice sweet easy. and also just uh getting reacquainted with mr craven yeah that's true that's has true. got me really uh excited for scream especially seeing new nightmare where i was yeah. like oh, i can see maybe we'll maybe we'll going. do i was originally gonna do the tent poles first but they're all so big it's kind of exhausting i'm excited to get to halloween because like i've said before on both podcasts that was my that was my actual gateway to all slasher films and i still think the first halloween film is the greatest slasher film of all time and probably the greatest horror film of all time. Ooh, maybe I'll um, watch it. And not necessarily in terms of scariness, but just for how it's put together. Out. <laughs> um, so yeah, probably uh, let's do Scream next then. Let's do Scream next, I think. That I, could change. I just realized I don't think I had one scare in this franchise. Not one scare? Really? <laughs> nothing spooks you? I can't. Nothing spooks you. The I first know. one really terrified me when I first saw it, but I was quite young. Yeah. But I genuinely, I still get creeped out by the first creeped one. Creeped out, scare definitely. Me, but Unsettled. An, the, yeah, there's an energy to it that's unsettling. Mm -hmm. And I think actually the remake has a couple of moments that are unsettling uh, just because it's dealing with not very nice stuff. But yeah, I agree with you. The rest of it is not spooky at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Um, so yeah, come back to us next week. We'll either be doing Scream or we're doing Halloween. We'll be working for all of those. We put everything up. You can head over to our website. We are Tessellate. That's with two S's, two L's. We are Tessellate.com. That's our official website. Uh, we are a production company. We run out of London. We run out of London. LA. We're LA. running out of Tokyo. Tokyo. <laughs> and we make movies. And at the moment, well, we make short films. We got, you got like a, well, a short film web series that's going to be coming up. Our uh, friend Shannon's got one. Um, we're going to do a whole bunch of podcasts, including these. We do a weekly podcast just called Geeks. Geeks. And that one, we talk about topical stuff. We talk about movies and games every week, what's going on, releases, box office, all that fun stuff. And yeah, and, and we are now making our first feature film called Starfish. You can go on YouTube, go to our We Are Tessellate channel um, to get all this content. Um, and you can watch our Starfish Diaries where we talk with about... Your pretty face. With me uh, and different guests and people who are working on the movie. Nate Hertz, uh, who you may recognize from the Geeks podcast. Yep. Tamara Shida, who you might recognize from The Railway Man. Yeah. Uh, and... 47 Ronin. Um, he's going, yeah, and we, we talk about the, the, our first independent feature film, how hard it is to make that and why you shouldn't do that ever. Um, and we follow it all the way through to the end of post-production. So if you're interested in learning how to make a movie or not make a movie. There's, that? Speaking of Tanarucci, you know, look, he just appeared he at the door. Tamro. Oh, spooky. We're just wrapping up our Nightmare on Elm Street podcast. It's all over. It's all done. It's all done. I think Tanro should play a Japanese Freddy Krueger. Yeah? In a Japanese well, remake. Well, we've got the glove over there. 
So you can try it on You'd Tamara. be perfect. See how it works out for you. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. We will uh, see you next week with either Scream or Halloween. And we're out. Geeks! Geeks! Get it on. We are all fantastic people with so much to give. Mm. Understanding sugar. <laughs>